Merry Christmas. Hey, you know, this, uh, this past summer, I uh, went up to northern Minnesota and I visited the Sudan underground mine. Anybody ever been there? All right, the uh, four of you. Okay, I, I think you should go there. It's, it's one of the cool places in Minnesota that I feel like not a lot of people uh, know about. It's an old iron ore a mine up in the Iron Range, closed in the 1960s, and now it's a tourist destination that apparently no one knows anything about. And you can go underground, and you can explore uh, the old railway underground. I brought a photo just to prove that I, I didn't make this up. There I am in my hard hat. Uh, but before you go down in, into the mines, you listen to their instructions about what you need to know before you go down into the earth. And here's what they tell you. They say, listen, you're going to get on this old, rickety mining elevator. This isn't going to be the elevator at Macy's, okay? So you're going to go down into the earth. It's going to be pretty dark. You actually go down a half mile into the earth, and they tell you it, it's a three-minute elevator ride, so it's not 10 seconds either. It's going to be kind of dark. You might feel some shakes. Your ears might be popping a little bit, and then we'll arrive a half a mile under the earth. And you, you hear this, and they, they, you're kind of going, oh, I don't know. And they say, hey, if, if you don't want to do this, kind of now is your time to turn back. So if you're not much of a risk taker, uh, if you're claustrophobic, or if you're a worrier, you sort of have to ask yourself, can I trust this person who's telling me this? Now, uh, personally, I can't say I was all that worried, but there was a small part of me that was. And I, so I just told myself what I always tell myself if I'm, like, say, going on a roller coaster. And here's what I always say. I say, listen, David, as I talk to myself just like that, they, they've already done this 100 times today. And they've been doing this for 50 years now. All the more reason that today is the day this thing's probably going to break, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, you look, you look at the person and you say, I, I trust you, right? Because you've been doing this forever. You know what you're talking about. And, well, obviously I survived, so it was fine. <laughs> this afternoon, as we look at the original Christmas story together, you're going to see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is told that she's going to have to face something quite challenging, and she's going to have a decision to make. Uh, I'd love for you to follow along in the original Christmas story. There's a lot of Christmas stories out here. We're going to the original today. There's a Bible under every chair. It's great to have the Bible, the Word of God, in front of you, so I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, we're going to be on page 830, or if you prefer uh, digital, you can use the Renovation Church app. Uh, just tap Bible and weekly verses. So Mary's going to have to decide if she trusts where and whom this message is coming from. So page 830, uh, we are in Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 1. So look for Luke and then the big number 1. And we're going to start in verse 26. That's where we look for the, a little number 26. And we'll start right there. Here's what we're, we're told. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Okay, so the angel, Gabriel, comes to Nazareth, begins speaking with Mary, and tells her, hey, uh, just so you know, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, the Messiah, and he's going to live and reign forever. Which Mary, rightfully so, says, how, how will this be? Which, in her defense, that's really different than, hey, this can't happen, I don't believe you. She's just saying, it's kind of like saying, okay, you're an angel, you're sent from God, I kind of get it, I, like, I believe this is going to happen, but like, but like how? Because, you know, like, virgin, like, you know, <laughs> right? She's at, she doesn't understand the mechanics of it. And I think sometimes we doubt in the same way. God is calling you to something or saying something to you, and it's like you believe, like it feels like it's from God, but because we don't understand the particulars of it, we, we doubt. You know, maybe God has been sort of moving in your life lately. Maybe he's been nudging you to follow him. Uh, maybe he's been calling you to trust in him more. Maybe he's, he's nudging you towards moving or uh, taking a different job or getting married. I mean, it could be anything. And I think a lot of us, when those things come, we get stuck in what I would call doubt of the details. Like, yeah, we believe God, but because we can't understand exactly how it will all work out, we go... Yeah, I don't know. But unlike Mary, most of us can't move past that. And we just say, stay sort of stuck. And we don't move. We don't believe because we can't see how God would actually make it happen. For, for others of you in this room, you've been unable to follow God because you still have doubts about the details of the Christian faith. You don't have all the answers for it. Some of you have intellectual doubts about God. Maybe you have doubts about the creation of the universe. Maybe you have doubts about the Bible. And even though you, maybe there's a part of you that feels like he's maybe real, maybe at times you feel like he's even wooing you to himself, because you have doubts, it's sort of kept you on the sidelines of faith. It's, I mean, it's, like, it's not like you're an atheist, but you certainly couldn't be called a follower of Jesus Christ either. You know, I always like to remind people that everyone on earth has faith. Listen, nobody has absolute proof that Jesus was born of a virgin. And nobody has absolute proof that Jesus is the son of God. Nobody has absolute proof that Jesus died on the cross. But you also have to admit that no one has absolute proof that he didn't do those things either. There's no video evidence either way. In other words, we all have faith. Everybody on earth has faith, not certainty, faith in something. Uh, sometimes I like to say that faith, in a sense, is a, like a continuum. So if this side of the stage over here represents, if I were to work all the way over here, 100% belief in God. So if I'm all the way over here, that means I've seen it on video. I know it's certain. Jesus was born of a virgin. He died on a cross. It happened. That's right here. But let's say the other side of the stage uh, represents 100% uh, certainty that it never happened. It's all a sham. Christianity isn't real. It's all made up. Jesus was just some nice teacher that lived a long time ago. Where would you say you are 
on this continuum. I think what happens for a lot of people is they get near to Christ. Right? You have these moments in your life. Maybe you look up at night and you see all the stars. Or you think you get sick and you start talking with a doctor and you think about like the intricacy of the human body. You're just looking at creation. You're going, oh man, there has to be a God. Or maybe you're looking at one of your family members that's been just transformed by God. You're going, that's just incredible. And see what it's doing is it's pushing you towards God. Maybe you come to a service like this and you sing the songs and there's something inside of you that just moves you more and more towards God. But look, I'm not all the way there. You might be 90% of the way there but you're not all the way there. And for a lot of Americans, what happens is, because they're not all the way over, they go, yeah, but I still have doubts. I've got this gap. I don't have everything answered. And so they choose, unlike Mary, they choose not to follow God because they don't have 100% belief. But now I want you to think about this intellectually. This is a thinking person's church, so we're just going to think. What you're saying is, I 90% believe that this is all real and Jesus is worth giving my life to, but 10% of me doesn't. But then many of us come to a conclusion that actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you really think hard about it. We say, I 90% believe in God, but because it's not 100%, I won't believe in you, God. But remember, everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. So I want you to just think about what you're saying if that's the conclusion you've come to with your life. You're saying, I will therefore base my life, how I live my life, if I attend church, if I study the Bible, if I'm living for God, I will base my life decisions not on the thing that I have 90% confidence in, but on the thing that I actually only have 10% confidence in. And Americans do this all the time. And we do it because we come to the wrong intellectual conclusion that it's either faith or no faith. But that's actually not what it is. It's faith or faith. It's what do you have faith in. And what I want you to understand is if God has just been moving in your life today, this past year, this past couple years, and you're here, for many of you, You've got to take a leap of faith either way, and it's actually intellectually a significantly smaller leap of faith to just give your life to Jesus Christ than it is to live your life like he's not even real. Like Mary, you can have faith even when you have doubts, even if they go, but how? I, still have, I, have, I have some questions here. And yet she still believed. At this point, I want to call our band back on stage. Uh, I, in just a minute, I want to talk about a, a second hesitation that many of, us to have, many of us have to following God. But for now, I want us to just take a moment over this next song, and I want us to just sing and worship over the fact that God would come to even be with us. And as we sing, especially if like, church isn't like your normal thing, and maybe you don't come to church a whole lot, I want you to just think, where are you on that continuum? And are you actually maybe closer to following Jesus than you ever thought? Because all these people in this room, many of them that are Christians, they attend church here, they're not at 100%. They took a leap of faith. But they said, you know what, I'm closer to Jesus than I, than I am not. So just think about that as we sing. You know, some of us, we, we hesitate 
to follow God because of our doubts. Like Mary, we say, yeah, but I've got some questions. I don't understand exactly how this will work out. But I think there's also a number of us that share a similar hesitation that Mary most certainly also had. We don't follow God because we know it'll be hard. For many of you, maybe God is calling you to something difficult right now, and you know that he's calling you, but you think, I just don't know if I can because it just would be... It would be complex, it would be difficult, I just don't know if I could do it. Uh, For many of you in this room that are Christians, maybe over the last month God has just been calling you to let go of something. Maybe let go of a particular sin. But if you know that you do it, it's going to be incredibly difficult. Maybe God is calling you to sacrifice something or to risk something. For many of us, we don't do it precisely because we know it'll be hard. Or maybe you're hearing this and you're just feeling like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I should become a follower of Jesus. But you know, if if you were to surrender your life and start following Jesus, that's like a 180. That's a lifestyle change. It's a belief change. It's a change in your life. And you know that if you did that, it would be difficult. But one of the things I think we need to understand about Mary in the original Christmas story is that she was feeling the same thing. If you just think about it practically here. So uh, scholars tell us that Mary uh, was a teenager, and not even like a late teenager. She most likely was something like 15 years old when this happened. She is betrothed to Joseph. They're not married. They're not engaged. A betrothal is sort of, in, in that culture, a step in between engagement and marriage. It's a little bit more serious than engagement. In fact, if you were to break a betrothal, it was actually considered a divorce. So now, just think about this practically. The angel comes, says, hey, uh, you're going to be pregnant. Uh, She has to go tell Joseph, right? So she goes to Joseph, and she says, hey, uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. You tell me, what's Joseph supposed to think? In fact, uh, you can read in the the book of Matthew, uh, this is the reason that that, uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph, which we just read about and heard about in that song. In the book of Matthew, Joseph says that he had in his mind that he was just going to divorce her. Why was he going to divorce her? Well, because in his mind, the only logical explanation for this is that she's an adulterer. Now, think about this. When Mary hears the angel saying, all right, you know you're a virgin, but you're going to be pregnant, she knows what's going to happen. She knows about the awkward conversations that lie ahead. In fact, it's worse than we think in our culture. See, according to the Old Testament, Jewish women could be stoned if they were found out to be adulterers. Now, even though few women were actually stoned, all of them were shamed, as were their children. See, Mary, as she's sitting there hearing from the angels, she would have known that if she accepts this word from God, if she does what he's asking her to do, it's going to bring shame on her and her family probably for the rest of her life. Now, we don't think about that a lot, right? Because we just think, oh, Mary, oh, she's great, and Jesus... It wasn't easy. Now think about Jesus, even growing up, all of his growing up years. In that small town of Nazareth, when he was there, in that little town where everybody knew everybody, people would have been shaming his mother Mary for being an adulteress. People would have shamed Jesus as a boy. They would have said, they would have said buddy, you don't even know who your real dad is. And what was he supposed to say? Well, see, no, technically my mom was a virgin, and are they going to believe that? 
It would be decades, decades before Mary was vindicated and proven to be the godly woman that she actually was. And so when God calls her to obey, she knows that a difficult path lies ahead, but she still follows his instructions anyway. I mean, it was hard. Look, you don't think Mary had dreams and plans for her own life? Of course she did. She was betrothed. She was probably in the midst of her mind planning her dream wedding to Joseph. Right? She was maybe in the midst of doing her baby registry at the Nazareth Target, right? She's dreaming about the whole town coming together and this huge celebration of Mary and Joseph's wedding. But instead, Mary now has to get a wedding dress from the Nazareth maternity store. And you know what? No one likely came to her wedding because now she was the shame of the entire town. This looked absolutely nothing like the script that Mary had for her life. But still, she said to the angel, she said, I'll do it. I'm the Lord's servant. Why? Because she knew it was right. You know, sometimes great things come from the hardest things. And maybe you're just here today, and you know, yeah, if you, if you say, I'm going to really just start following God again, or for the first time. Maybe you just intuitively, you know that it's not going to be easy. But you know it's right. Like Mary, you know it's right. And it will be worth it. I, I wanna, we're going to sing another song. I'm going to call our band back on stage. And as we sing, I just want you, this time, I just want you to sit. And I want you to just contemplate. And I want you to think about this question. What is God calling you to do? Maybe some of you have been thinking about this for the last month. Maybe you've just been thinking about it for the last 10 minutes. But what is God calling you to do? How is he drawing you nearer to himself? And I want you, even as you just sit and just listen to the song, I want you to ask God that question and talk to him. Even if you never pray, or just close your eyes, maybe just talk to God in, the, in your head and just say, are you there? Are you calling me to something? Just talk to God as we think about this. You know, we look at this story, and I, I think Mary is a powerful example for many of us because God says that he can do amazing things through her life, and she has doubts, and she knows it's going to be difficult, but she believes. She puts aside her fear, she puts aside her doubts, and she believes. How? She can believe the message. I think at the root of it, she can believe the message because God says it. Right? This goes back to where we started at the underground mine. Like I was willing to get in the elevator and go underground because I trusted the guy giving the message. I trusted the guy who'd worked there for a few decades, and he had a really big beard and looked super trustworthy, so I got in the elevator, right? And plus, I didn't want to chicken out in front of my wife. But listen, it, it comes back to who is giving the message. Mary is both willing to believe and willing to do this because the message came from God. Now look at verses 37 and 38 again. The angel says, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. God's word will never fail. If God says it, 
It's going to happen. So even if God comes to a 15-year-old virgin and says, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to happen to be the son of God and live and reign forever. If God says it, it's going to happen. And I, I want you to ponder this afternoon the greatest promise of them all that God has given to us regarding his son, Jesus. So after Joseph begins to think about divorcing Mary, here's exactly what that Bible passage says again in Matthew. I want you to notice something in here. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus means the Lord saves. See, this is actually the most important part of Christmas. This is the reason that God sent his son to earth in the first place. This is the central teaching of the Bible, the central teaching of Christianity. So if you hear anything this afternoon, hear this. See, the Bible is clear that all of us, all of us are sinners. We sin, we screw up, we make mistakes. And because God is holy, there must be justice for our sins. Now, in America, in our culture, we tend to go, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. For many cultures around the world, this is not even a weird thing to say. Listen, if there is not justice for evil in the world, then I assure you that God isn't even worth worshiping. And so there is justice for our sins. Punishment, punishment must come for our sins, and that means separation from God. Without a savior, then we are doomed to spend our eternity not in heaven, but in hell, because God is a just God. But God is also a loving God. He doesn't want to be separated from you. He loves you. He thinks about you all the time. So he sends his own son, Jesus, his own son, to the cross to die in your place for your sins, to take your punishment. So you can be forgiven if you believe. Jesus says it this way, John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. They won't go to hell. They'll have eternal life in heaven. And so really the main teaching of the Bible is that you're never going to be good enough. You, there's not a person in here who can be good enough to go to heaven. You're, you're, you're good. It doesn't matter. Even if your good outweighs your bad, you still have sin, and there must be justice, punishment for your sin. And the only way you can be forgiven is that you let Jesus take the sin off of you and onto him on the cross. And you do that by believing Jesus died in your place and surrendering your life to him. And it isn't just applied to everyone. I meet people on the street or talk to people about Jesus. I feel like many people in America feel like, well, just because God is love, by the time I die, he's going to love and forgive me. It doesn't work like that. If you haven't, as the scripture says, if you haven't believed in Jesus and surrendered your life to him, then you will perish when you meet your maker because the punishment will still need to occur. You need Jesus to pay for your sins. And when you let him in, I mean, this is the amazing part. He will come into your life, and he will transform it. He will renew it. He will change it. And you'll be saved for all of eternity as well, and spending not eternity in hell, but eternity in heaven. That is what Christmas 
is all about Charlie Brown. That's, that's why he came, right? He came as a baby to grow up to be our savior. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Some of you right now in your head, you're going, yeah, but you haven't seen my life. You don't know what I've done. You know what the Bible says? It says Jesus Christ has seen exactly what you've done. And still he went to the cross for you. And still he will forgive you if you let him. If God says it, then he's going to do it. So don't say, oh, no, he couldn't forgive me. No, no, no. If God says it, he'll do it. He can forgive you. Right? No word from God, the angel says, no word from God will ever fail. If God says it, he'll do it, even if it feels like it can't be true. God doesn't make promises that are too good to be true. If he says it, he'll do it. And so if God has just been nudging you all afternoon, that's just time for you to surrender your life to him. It's time for you to become a believer and follow him. Even if you sense it's going to be hard. Even if there's still some remaining doubts. I encourage you to take the leap of faith. Start following Jesus Christ. To say, Lord, I'm going to let go of all my conditions, all my doubts. I'm just going to just throw it on my arms. I'm just going to let you take the wheel of my life. I'll surrender. Like Mary, I, I, I don't understand everything. I know it's going to be hard, but I just believe this message of salvation is from you, and I want it. And if that's you, I'm, I'm going to guess in a, in a room the size that there are a number of you in this room that you just need to make that decision today before you leave, that you want to be forgiven, saved, become a follower of Jesus. And I want you to make that decision before you go. So let's just do this. For just a minute or two, would you just close your eyes? I know it's a bit weird, but just, just close your eyes. If you are here this afternoon and you know you need to give your life to Jesus, you know you need to be forgiven, you need to stop running, you need to become a follower of his, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. I think some of us, we just need those sort of line in the sand moments where we say, yep, today I'm believing in him and I'm going to become a follower of him. If he died for me after seeing all of my sins, then I want to follow him. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, everybody has their eyes closed, so don't think about people looking at you. If that's you, and today you want to be forgiven forever, you want to go to heaven, you want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never done this before and you want to start that, what I want you to do is just real quietly, would you just stand up for a minute? No one's looking at you, but just for a way to say, I, I want this, I need this. I need to be forgiven. Would you just stand up real quietly where you're at? Go ahead. If you, if you just out of all, all service just been feeling this in your heart, like, no, I need to come to God. I need to surrender. Don't let this moment pass. And just stand up where you're at. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I assure you, if this is weighing heavy on your soul and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, let today be your day that you let him forgive you. Anyone in here that just needs to just stand up and surrender their life to Christ this afternoon? If that's you, would you just stand where you're at? I'll give you just a couple more seconds.
know, the Bible says that if you get to this point where you do want to follow Jesus, that if you believe in your heart, right, there's nothing magical about standing, okay? Even if you're in the spot where you do believe in your heart and you are saying, Jesus, I do want to follow you. I believe you died for me. Then you can trust that God has, has saved you. And I encourage you to start a relationship with him. Start following him. Open up a Bible. If you've never read a Bible before, open it up. Open up to the book of Matthew. Start reading for yourself what Jesus is all about. That's what I did when I was 18 years old. Completely changed my life when I opened up a Bible for the very first time. And I encourage you to begin following him and begin seeking him out. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pray. Our band's going to come on stage and we're going to sing one final song as we close out this Christmas service, just thanking God for coming, for coming for people like us, which is a, a pretty remarkable thing. So let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you, that you knew our whole life. Jesus, you knew our whole life before you came as a baby. All of our angry moments, our drunken nights, God, the nights that we regret, the years that we wish didn't exist, you saw all of them, and still you came, and you were willing to die for us, and we are just so thankful for Christmas, for that day. God, from our hearts, we just want to tell you that we love you. We're grateful. Let your name be prayer. Amen.